gentlemen, to the Wit and Whiskey cast. I'm, as always, DJ Gagnon, here with my co-host and all-around favorite person in the world, Mark Rossetti. <laughs> Hello. I, I wasn't aware I was your favorite person in the world. You are while we're recording. <laughs> Shh. Uh, I was going to say he's getting at something, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, we're here for part two of Pokemon and Whiskey because mm, I can't stop at one. Uh, so... We, we are going to talk more about Pokemon today. I'm going to uh, bore all of you with weird, de- weird details and quiz Mark about all the Pokemon he doesn't know yet. The uh, fact that you didn't open this episode with a modified version of the second verse of the song does disappoint me a little. I was assuming you had done it. I mean, you, you got to contribute something here, buddy. Oh, oh, is that what we're going to play? Oh, oh, all right. Well, I see how it is. Well, it wasn't my week to open. Yeah, no. Again, as we talked about last (laughs) week, we really need to schedule these better. We really do. Yeah, watch it next week be something I know absolutely nothing about. So, But uh, before we get to all the the good stuff, uh, what you been up to in last week, buddy? Uh, This week hasn't really, you know been a whole heck of a lot it was my grandmother's birthday which was kind of cool um she was uh the one that we ended up raiding to stay at while they were renovating the studios nice so you know we had a nice little dinner with her you know got to hang out with her for the day (sighs) otherwise it's been work uh picked up a few more parts for the new roadster engine um you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. We, it looks like, depending on a house revote as we record this, we may be getting another stimulus. Um, and you know, we, we we don't talk about politics on this podcast. And if there's a just and loving God in this world, we never will. <laughs> uh, but you know, governments have funded motorsports since the '30s, if not earlier. I think Fiat might have actually been earlier, and they were somewhat Italian, uh, government owned for a while. So, you know, regardless of your feelings on the stimulus one way or the other, just, you know, look at it as corporate sponsorship for whatever you prefer. In my case, it'll be uh, towards the new motor. But, you know, if you're into if you're into a different hobby, use it for that. It's just basically you got sponsored for the week. Nice. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But otherwise, there's this I had to, you know, I am but a humble historian. I know nothing about science. So I had to consult a few of my uh, friends who are more science-minded. But they tell me that this giant thing in the sky is the sun. Yes. I hadn't seen it since long before Christmas. <laughs> so I was very, very scared when it came out again. Um, also, you can have temperatures that are apparently above freezing. I wasn't aware of this, but it's a thing. And we've had a few days of it, and it's wonderful. And I think we need to keep going with it. Yeah, yeah, I fully endorse this, especially since it's my birthday at the end of the the month, and I'd really like to you know have some sun to play in. Translation, uh, dear listeners, for all you know, he wants uh, birthday gifts and emails to the Witten Whiskey Cast at Gmail dot com. Yes, yes, feel free. Uh, P.O. Box. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have a P.O. Box. <laughs> Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> Give us season three. We'll get a P.O. box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see if we have more than uh, four listeners by then. Um, by my count, I think we have six. That's pretty but good. That's, but that's neither here nor there. What about you? What did you do this week? This week was kind of a, a weird little shit show. Um, we lost power up here in the Great White North. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah, uh, I, we lost power here in the New Hampshire studios for like roughly 30 hours, which, you know, it wasn't too bad in the grand scheme of things, but it was fucking cold last week. Um, and the house got down to 51 before uh, we finally wised up and went, eh, maybe we should go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, it kind of just clipped off around 11 o'clock or so on uh, on Tuesday, and we didn't get it back until the evening on Friday. And uh, I think yeah, we, we definitely stayed here the night, uh, the night it was off, and it wasn't too, too bad. I mean, we just grabbed an extra blanket. Uh, I mean, I, I've slept in colder. Um, but I did take the opportunity to figure out more things about my house. So I, I actually drained all of the pipes in the house to make sure just in case we were out for a few more days. Um, and that was a, it was a good learning experience. I, I feel like I can properly prepare my house for when I leave for vacations and whatnot uh, and not have any anxiety that my pipes are going to burst even... You know, anxiety is a funny thing, and I worry about that thing in the heat of summer. So, that, that's that's how I'm living these days. Well, yeah, I mean, you'll have this. We that's a constant fear I have here, being that you know the house is conservatively two hundred and God, let me think now, two hundred and eighteen years old in its oldest part. Nice. Uh, so we have had. Uh, pipes burst on a few occasions uh, here at the homestead. The one nice thing is the way it is plumbed is very intricate so that if a pipe bursts anywhere, you lose hot water. (laughs) So, you know, generally if you wake up in the morning and you turn the shower on and it's ice cold, put on your robe and start to panic. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, but it's, that's a problem living in the Northeast. It sucks. Um, Electric heat is expensive as all hell, as our friends in Texas are finding out. Yep. Uh, amongst other issues, but the the one nice thing is it's much lower maintenance, higher costs, lower maintenance. Yeah. So there is that. Uh, what do a, you have up there? Do you have do you have gas? Do you have what? What, what do you have up there? We got a propane furnace. Um, honestly, I I'm I'm kind of contemplating looking into what it would cost to get, like, a permanent generator put in. Um, Those are fun. Yeah, I mean, our house has the hookups for a generator already. Uh, and we have, an like, an in-ground gigantic propane tank. So um, I, I think in the for the next few years, at least, I'm going to pick up a generator this summer and kind of just do the normal gas route for, you know, the following winter. But... Uh, I've got some friends who have the, like, auto automated generator that automatically switches things over if the power goes out. So I think uh, I've got some friends who said they wait, like, uh, when the power goes out, they wait, like, 30 seconds, and then the power comes back on. Yeah, it has that little fail-safe to go, oh, 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 nope, it's not flicking off. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it wasn't too bad in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, I've we've got some friends and, and family in Texas who really had a, a hard go of it. Uh, my, my, one of my brother's pipes froze. So, um, yeah, I definitely don't want it to seem like, Oh, everything is terrible. No, I mean, I, we slept with an extra blanket. I learned something about my house and then I got to, uh, go over to my in-laws for a day and, and kind of just chill out and 
So uh, it was not really that bad up up here. We're we're kind of used to power going out and uh, winter storm problems. Yeah, that's the problem when you live in the Great White North. It is. But, I mean, that that was the week. So what about tonight? What are you drinking? Well, this will be good because we're, we're, we're doing, well, when I say we, I mean me. We're doing <laughs> a, uh, I'm doing a double review. Boom. So I'll do the drink first, and then you can do your drink, and then I'll do the other half. I like it. So, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about this in a little bit greater detail, I think, uh, after we do our reviews, because it is pretty big news, but we shared it on our various social medias this week. Uh, the U.S. and the U.K. are uh, suspending tariffs on a bunch of different items. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheese, uh, different cashmere, or cashmere sweaters, different pieces of machinery, electronics that go back and forth, but most importantly, on scotch. So basically, if you are a fan of, as DJ put it this week, and I love this, I've been calling it this all week, bog water. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't take that the wrong way. I'm a Scotch guy. I think that's a great name for it because that's yeah. kind of what it is. Uh, but if you're a fan of bog water, this is a great week for you. So I saw that article on CNN and BBC and all the different places. And I said, I'm going to go out and get me a bottle of bog water. <laughs> so I went to the liquor store. And I was perusing the shelves, and I came across, uh, I did the ultimate newbie thing. And when I say newbie thing, I, you know, I don't mean to poke fun at anyone that does this, but it's generally how people get into the whiskey hobby. I just walked around until I found a bottle I thought looked cool. Because yeah. <laughs> the problem is most of the scotches, not most of the scotches, but at least most of the scotches around here that are in the local liquor stores, I've had, I've tried, wanted to broaden my horizons, wanted to try something new, uh, celebrate the end of the tariffs. And so I came across monkey shoulder. You know, I had it in my hand. Glad (laughs) I didn't pick it up. Yeah. I mean, the bottle is cool with the three little monkeys grafted onto the side and it has a cool parchment style label. Well, uh, I bought it, brought it home, and I cracked it open the other night during my uh, wrestling because I'm a classy individual. I sip scotch while I watch professional wrestling. Uh, like a gentleman, and I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, so I did a little bit of research on it before this episode, and it's really, really cool. Do you know where the name comes from, DJ? No. I didn't either. It actually is a old-timey medical condition that if you worked in these Scotch distilleries back in the day and you actually turned the barley while it was malting, you used to use a, a shield, S-H-I-E-L, which is a type of wooden shovel that they used to churn the barley with. And if you did it right to properly bring out all the flavors and all the essence in these older scotches, you would really mess up your shoulder and your collarbone and your rotator cuff. And that condition was known as the monkey shoulder. Oh, wow. So they named this whiskey that to sort of say, hey, you know, we still do things old school. We still churn the barley, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's it's a Speyside, so it's from Speyside, Scotland, for those of you playing the region game. Uh, it's from William Grant and Sons. They're the producer. And I like it because it's not a single malt. It's a triple malt. It's Glenfiddich, Balvini, and I don't know the third one, Kin... I'm going to butcher this. I think it's 
Kinivivi, K-I-N-I-V-I-E. That one I haven't had. I've had the first two, but I haven't had that one. Uh, and it's equal parts, 33, 33, 33 of those blended together. Uh, 43% alcohol by volume. And it's fantastic. It's got a really rich golden color to it. It starts off pretty light, actually. It's got a little spice. It has a little citrusy taste to it. Then it gets a little heavier in the middle. You get sort of a licorice taste to it. You get some wood notes. And then at the end, it finishes like proper bog water. It is earthy, and it is grassy, and it is like you are just... You took a log out of the fire, and you're chewing on it. Yeah. And unlike DJ, I love that in a oh, scotch. It's not great. Um, as scotches go, this may be considered dipping into the well. It was only about $32 for the bottle. But from different things I've read online, it apparently isn't distributed... Uh, equally across the United States. Apparently, it's more of an eastern seaboard, midwestern thing. I read a lot of things online of people in, out west uh, complaining that they can't get their hands on it. So I don't know. If we have any West Coast listeners, let us know. Is it hard to get monkey shoulder? Because we can hook you up. Yeah. Uh, but if you like proper bog water, uh, definitely give this a try. DJ, next time you go out, pick up a little bottle of it if you could find it, because I'm curious to hear your review. We have yet to review... Uh, a whiskey that one of us has done yet. And I keep meaning to do that, and I haven't, but this might be a fun one to do. Yeah. I, I We're definitely going to get together in person, hopefully by the end of this year, and we should we should review a, the same whiskey at that point, too, as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so what about you? What are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking Walrus Blood. Man, we got monkey shoulders and walrus blood. Yeah. We didn't plan this, by we the didn't. way, folks. We didn't. Uh, I picked this up a couple of weeks ago because it looked interesting. Uh, it's got a pretty minimalistic label, and uh, it is uh, it's eighty proof. I think it was around like the forty two dollar mark. Um, but the it, it's it, it's interesting. It's one of the few whiskeys I've ever seen that actually calls itself artisanal. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, it is a blended whiskey and, uh, the really interesting part about this is it's, uh, after it's aged for five years in American oak barrels, it's bottled and then they add two to three cubes of, um, oak, oak cubes that have been charred and the cubes themselves, uh, were choked uh, not choked, soaked in port wine for six months before being added to the bottle. So rather than uh, aging in a port bottle or a sherry bottle, you know, uh, barrel, we've seen that a couple of times. Um, and I think one of my favorite, the Breckenridge, uh, did uh, like port cask or sherry cask. Uh, this is actually, they, they, they age it separately and then they they take the soaked cubes and toss them in the bottle. I don't know if you can hear it, but that's the cubes rattling around in the bottom. Oh, all right. Yeah, some some good ASMR there for you, folks. Uh, and it's it's pretty good. I actually really like this. I, I may pick myself up a second bottle because it's artisanal, and uh, I don't know if you found this too, but if anytime I find a, a like a smaller 
whiskey that I really like, I, I can't find it the next time I go. So, yeah, um, that's the one problem with state-run monopolies. Which I did a little research into that too this week. Um, there are far more in America than I realized. So that that could be a, a fun topic. I don't know if it'd be a whole episode, but if we ever do, you know, if, if we get this whiskey news segment off the ground, we could talk about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's the problem with this. They only buy so many bottles, and then I, more ASMR for you. Yeah, fair. I I really like this, and I want to. This may be the first one that I try again in like six months and tell you guys what I think. Because this is one of the few whiskeys I've seen that is actually going to keep aging in the bottle. Yeah. Because it's got the... I, I'm not taking the cubes out, so... Uh, and they've got the the stopper for the bottle is one of those, like... It's like one of those soy sauce plastic inserts where the soy sauce doesn't come out really fast. So the cubes aren't going to tumble out of this bottle anytime soon. So, yeah, Walrus Blood. Uh, it's really good. I, um... I may end up pouring myself a little bit more tonight. So we both really, really like our drinks tonight. I think, conservatively, is this the first episode in season two that that's the case? It might be. It might be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you were a, you were a grumpy Gus for a while, and then I, tried I had like three episodes in a row um, that I didn't like. You had an episode where you tried a scotch that you didn't like. So if this isn't the first, it may only be the second. True. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Happiness all around. Yeah, it's very good. And we're going to keep that going with the third review because I'm loving it. Uh, the third review, bonus review for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. I am currently smoking a bourbon-infused cigar. Now, before you all yell into your uh, smart devices of choice... You know, Mark, you shouldn't have taken your cigars out already. They yeah, need more was, time to infuse. Hasn't it only been like two weeks? It'll be three weeks tomorrow, but this is not one of those. Oh, well, that's cheating. I, <laughs> no, I went out and, and purchased this. Um, it's from a small, well, not small, but uh, small compared to the big companies, I suppose. Uh, so cigar company uh, right here in Pennsylvania, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. For you office fans, a, a real company that exists in Scranton, uh, Avanti Cigars, and they make a, a cigar called a Ramrod. Now, the thing you have to realize about an Avanti, uh, their whole range, is they don't make a cigar the way you know you might think of one. You know, big Cuban style, Caribbean style. They make Tuscan cigars, Italian cigars. Now. I'm biased because my family actually comes from Tuscany, but I quite like a Tuscan cigar, but they're completely different. The easiest way to describe them is if you've ever seen a Clint Eastwood Western, the man with no name, those long, skinny, dark cigars he smokes. Those are Tuscan cigars. Um, they are not, you don't keep them in a humidor. They're not supposed to be moist. They're dry-aged, uh, you know, they're long and skinny and kind of veiny. And they use tobacco from Italy and tobacco from Kentucky. We are still talking about cigars, right? We are. Okay. <laughs> Getting a little Freudian there. <laughs> well, you know what, what Sigmund Freud once said? A cig sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Uh-huh, and sometimes a cigar is a penis. 
Sometimes, if you play your cards right. <laughs> Uh, but you know, basically it's, it's totally different from what you might think of as a quote unquote traditional cigar, but because of that, you can have some fun with them. Uh, Avanti makes a set of these that are soaked in anisette. So you really can get your, you know, Paisani on. And these ramrods are soaked in Kentucky bourbon and they're actually pretty good. Um, the thing you have to understand about a Tuscan cigar or a Cheroot, if you're from the South, C-H-E-R-O-O-T. Oh, is that where that comes from? Yes. Uh, is they have a much higher nicotine concentration than a regular cigar. So they're a lot stronger to begin with. Plus you're putting the bourbon on top of it. So you can actually get a little bit of a buzz off of this. Uh, the other thing is it's soaked in alcohol. So it burns kind of quick. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, this, I'm maybe 40% of the way through it already just since we've been recording. And we're what, 15 minutes in, if that. And that's pretty slow, right? No, it's pretty fast. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a, a Dominican style cigar would be half that at most. But, you know, you take it and you leave it. The other thing is they're a lot cheaper. I bought a box of five for about $8 when I'm used to paying $8 for one premium cigar. So if you're a cigar snob, you're not really going to like these, but if you want something when you're just kicking around the yard, going for a drive, you know, or if you want to have a little bourbon, but, you know, you can't drink because it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon and that's not considered civilized in the West, try one of these. Pick them up. They sell them, you know, wherever cigars are sold, on the Internet, in convenience stores. Try them out. Let me know what you think. That sounds awesome. Three more weeks we're going to have the real ones, the ones I'm infusing. I can't wait. So, all right. Do we want to touch on a little bit more of these tariffs here before we get into Pokemon? Again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely should. All right. Now, this is uh, a big deal for a lot of reasons. Um, one, it, it, you know, not getting too geopolitical, it gets into sort of the way you could see the UK goes uh, going forward with Brexit, because, of course, they're kind of on their own. They're not in the EU anymore. They have to make their own economic agreements, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it also is a massive, what do they call it? The butterfly effect on this. The ripple effect is insane. Yeah. Um, Airbus and Boeing are some of the big companies. You know, the different parts for planes are going to be cheaper. Uh but by the UK's own internal uh, study, just since 2019, so not even two full calendar years, the major distilleries of Scotland have lost over 500 million pounds Holy just God. off of these tariffs. Now, are these Which, tariffs that, like, the US imposed? Yes. Okay. How long uh, have they been long. around? If I'm reading this right, only for about three, three and a half years. It spawned off of a pissing contest. Uh, basically, when the UK was still in the EU, the EU put a tariff on different parts and uh, metals, actual you know, importing of metals to be machined that various American industries needed uh, back and forth. And we said, well, we're going to hit you where it hurts with booze. Woof. Which this is actually a very common uh, U.S. tactic. If you go back, I want to say about 10 years ago now, one of the wrath of 
various issues with North Korea when they would start testing missiles again, one of them was directly caused, and this is 100% true, it was directly caused because we stopped importing Hennessy to North Korea. And uh, Kim Jong-un, who was still alive at the time, just drank that stuff like water. And so the minute we cut off the Hennessy, he started shooting rockets again. A few weeks later, we let him have Hennessy again, the rocket stopped. And that's actually 100% true. Um, we so, need to do a weird liquor episode. Mm, oh, there's a lot of it we could do. Uh, but overall, it's going to... The tariffs that are being removed are going to uh, free up $7.5 billion on the EU side and about $5.5 billion on the American side. Okay. So $13 billion in goods are no longer being taxed, which is pretty significant. And we get cheaper whiskey. So it's win-win all the way around. That is that is kind of cool. I, I'm i curious. So are, are you already seeing the effects of the, the absence no, of the tariffs? Be, no, because it's going to go into effect tomorrow as we record this. So, so how long uh, do we think it'll take it to hit like our local liquor stores. Do you think it'll be immediate? I think it'll be immediate on new stock, but I think it'll take probably the end of the month on what they have. Cause you have to understand everything that they have is bought and paid for. Um, you know, they have to recoup their cost. I would say conservatively, probably April 1st is when it'll be really noticeable. Nice. And I think it's going to be more noticeable on, you know, different things like a bottle of Chivas, you know, might only go down a buck or two. But if you want to spend the money and buy a bottle of Oban, you might notice a little bit more of a difference there because, you know, you have the VAT and all those different things uh, that come in over the top. So if they all go away or if they're reduced, uh, you know, the bigger the bigger the ceiling, the bigger the potential. Nice. So, yeah, that's a good thing to keep an eye out for fans is, you know, the, the Check check out your local liquor stores in the next couple of months, and you should be seeing the uh, the scotch prices come down a bit. Yeah, so if you like bog water, it's a big week. To be fair, I I have enjoyed some North Side and Space Side bog waters. I just I'm not a big fan of you know the the heavy Islay peat kind of stuff. Well, you might you know space it, the monkey shoulders of space side, so you might like that. I, I think the the finish is going to be a little heavy for you, but I think the first two thirds you'll enjoy. That's fair. All right, so here we go. Pokemon Part Two. Pokemon Part Two. Uh, so the rest of this episode is going to just be kind of a hodgepodge of anything I wanted to talk about, um, and I'm going to end with some of the the rumors and fan theories and glitches in the games from when Mark and I first experienced them way back in the late 90s. I, I want the record to show that that was how DJ originally pitched this podcast to me during quarantine. It's mm-hmm. just going to be a hodgepodge of whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'm going to start out talking about the Pokemon movies. And there's been many. Uh, I picked three off the list um, because, well, first of all, they're my three favorites, but also there's just so many of them. Anytime there's a new generation, there's generally another movie or two. Uh, There's quite a few of them. And they started all the way back with Pokemon, the first movie, which I think was released in 99. 98, 99. 
it, we it, talked about it last episode. Go back last episode yeah, yeah, and see yeah. what we said. I, I didn't. I'm not doing any dates uh, on this one. Uh, I'm just going to enjoy the whiskey a little bit more. Uh, so, Pokemon the first movie, also known as um, Pokemon Mewtwo's Revenge, uh, sets a precedent for a lot of the Pokemon franchise moving forward. Um, across Generation 1 of the games, the initial seasons of the anime, and even some of the stuff that happens in the Pokemon Adventures manga, there is always this backtone of some sort of evil organization that does something bad, is trying to kill or take over or capture or... It, it all depends on what flavor of Pokemon you're experiencing. Uh, the manga gets fairly serious. There's definitely some, some rough stuff that happens in the manga. Uh, I would say it edges maybe a little bit into PG-13, but it starts dealing with darker themes like, can Pokemon die? And what happens when the evil organizations steal Pokemon from trainers and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but one of the first things that we really uh, experienced that was kind of dark in the Pokemon series was the origins of Mewtwo. Um, for those of you playing the home game, Mewtwo is numbered at Pokemon number 150 in the Pokedex, uh, one shy of the complete number in Generation 1. And he is the highest level Pokemon that you encounter in the game, and he's a genetic experiment. And I thought a lot about this as I was prepping for the episode, and I have to imagine that the, 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 all of the discussions happening around cloning technologies in the late 90s, early 2000s really fed into uh, this obsession with this huge plot point in the first Pokemon game that got fleshed out in the first movie. Uh, the idea of... Mewtwo as an entity is uh, somehow the evil organization Team Rocket captured the uh, captured Mew and Mew is like supposedly a genetic progenitor of all Pokemon in some sort of interesting way. Uh, he is the mythic level Pokemon of Gen One and is unique in that Mew can learn any move that any other Pokemon can know. Uh, if you can find a way to teach it to Mew, he can learn it. Or she. Uh, they, Team Rocket captures Mew and then tries to clone him uh, and kind of fucks it up and they end up with Mewtwo. Uh, and at the end of Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, Green, whichever of the first gens you're playing... You meet Mew, Mewtwo, and you have the ca uh, a chance to capture him. And from there, uh, the canon shifts a little bit with the movie. Uh, the movie kind of picks up uh, right where the game ends, uh, right before you actually meet Mewtwo. And the idea is that Mewtwo breaks out of whatever holding he's in, and starts to enact a plan of revenge on all of humanity and horrible dark things happen until Ash, the, the uh, hero of the Pokemon anime, uh, proves to him that he doesn't have to do it with the power of friendship. 
Uh, it's a shonen anime, folks. It's all about the power of friendship. Uh, but you get to see some really great moments of, like, Pikachu, like, mourning different things and Pikachu fighting Pikachu, and there's a really great soundtrack to the first movie. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, they it, it, it's been around long enough that they just recently made a remake of it in the last couple of years. So go check it out. Very good. Pokemon the first movie or Pokemon Mewtwo's Revenge. I assume you've seen the first movie, Mark. I have. Yeah. I feel like anybody who is anybody our age saw this movie. Like, Pokemon wasn't just a geeky thing when we were kids. Like, everybody was into it. Uh, then there was Pokemon 2000. Uh, this, I, they, they kind of had this trend of, like, they were going to do a Pokemon movie for every generation. And so Pokemon 2000 was released in <clears throat> 2000. Uh, and it was the <laughs> it, it was the story of the Johto League of the anime, and it kind of wrapped things up in a nice little bucket. You know, they they met the 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 psychic bird legendary Lugia. They got to meet some of the legendary dogs. There was some cool stuff uh, that happened in Pokemon Two Thousand. Uh, so both of those are really good, and they're really good intros. They're they're standalone stories. Um, you get to hang out with Ash and the gang. It's all good. But what I really wanted to talk about is a movie that was made in the last uh, few years. And uh, gun to my head, it's the only video game to live action movie that brings me more joy than Sonic the Hedgehog. And that is Detective Pikachu. Oh, for the love of... Have you seen Detective Pikachu? No, because I saw the trailer for Detective Pikachu, and that's why I didn't see. It's very good. It's very, very good. Uh, Detective Pikachu is actually a, um, it's an adaptation of one of the Pokemon games. Uh, So one of the side games is also called Detective Pikachu, and I, of course, own it because I am a trash child when it comes to Pokemon, and I will get everything. Now, hang on, back up, because we only briefly touched on this a little bit last week, and you kind of dodged the question. Okay. Um, from my research during the week, and I don't know how accurate this is, but it was the most common number that kept coming up in my research, between the mainline games and the side games, there are 76 licensed Pokemon titles. How many do you own? Uh, let's see. So, uh... Across digital and physical formats, I own every, I think, every single one of the mainline games. Like, I might be missing, I think I'm missing Black and Black 2, because I think I sold them to get something else. But I did own them at one point. Uh, I am going to go through more of the games. I own... The, the the only games I've never really played are, like, the Mystery Dungeons and the Rangers. Um, I think that might be about it. That there's so some... would it be fair to say you have more than 50? Uh, I would have to probably count them across all the different consoles. I think it's probably easy in the 30s to 40s. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to remember them all. Like there's some that I missed because I I couldn't find them at the time. Like, uh, Gale of Darkness on the GameCube is really hard to find. Um, 
But I do have both Pokemon stadiums, so we'll get into that. But I do own Detective Pikachu, and the the concept of Detective Pikachu is there is a Pikachu that can talk English, um, and this is not a thing that can happen in Pokemon. If you've never played or watched or experienced Pokemon in any way, um, Pokemon generally either make like animal sounds or they say their own name. <laughs> Uh, if you were watching the anime. And so Pikachu just is like Pika Pika, Pikachu, Chew, Pika, Pikachu. That's how they talk. Uh, whereas in Detective Pikachu, he talks English and wears a detective hat and drinks lots of coffee. I'm totally editing you doing the Pikachu. <laughs> we're going to use that as a drop for future reference. Nice. <laughs> um, I was slightly disturbed by the trailers to find a Pikachu that spoke English, because that's not the adorable little yellow mouse that I know and love. Um, but by the end of the movie, I was sold. They, 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 they fixed it. They did a very good job of uh, addressing why Pikachu speaks English, and I don't want to spoil it, because everybody should watch this movie. It's very good. Uh, and you get to see, you know, live-action Charizard fight a uh, live-action Gengar. Like, there's just really amazing things that happen in this movie that, you know, fulfill a lot of my childhood dreams. So, uh, if you're ever looking for a Pokemon movie, Pokemon the first, uh, Pokemon 2000, and definitely, definitely, definitely don't sleep on Detective Pikachu. Uh, which gets us into the, some of the side games. And I didn't list them all. I didn't list... Like, Pokemon Spin or Troze or... There's a lot of, like, little side games. I, I didn't talk about uh, the Magikarp mobile game because I couldn't, I couldn't give a shit. I can't play everything, folks. Um, but each of these entries uh, generally has, like, a, a little mini-series of itself, except for uh, Go, Home, Masters, and Smile. Uh, so Pokemon Pinball uh, was released. It was one of the first games to get released on the Game Boy that had a uh, a battery pack attached to the cartridge. You had to put a battery in the cartridge, and it, uh, it would vibrate. Like it was the first time we ever got a rumble feature on the Game Boy. I think there was a couple of others that did that too, but Pokemon Pinball was definitely one of the first. There's been a few Pokemon Pinballs. There's some Pokemon puzzle games. Um, there are in this like. Pokemon puzzle arcade game little mini series. There's also um, Pokemon Picross. So if you've ever played any of the Picross games in the DS, uh, there's a Pokemon version of it that's a lot of fun. What is it with the 90s and pinball spinoffs? You had Sonic Spinball. You had this Pokemon pinball game. Duke Nukem had Balls of Steel. They actually did produce that as a, a, a cabinet. Um, and then they later ported it to PC. That was just such a 90s thing. Like, we have this great thing, great franchise. What can we license it to? Pinball! Yeah, I mean, that still kind of happens, but pinball's not as big as it used to be. Um, my personal favorite pinball machine is the Doctor Who pinball uh, because you can get a mod for it that makes the Dalek uh, turn and yell exterminate. So if you ever uh, are looking for a good pinball machine, that's, that's pretty fun. So other, 
It's not no, yeah, we're not going to review the game. We're not going to review. You know, it doesn't. It has good graphics and it's easy to pick up, but it doesn't. No, the Dalek can say exterminate. It's an actual cabinet. It's an actual physical mod to an arcade cabinet. That's awesome. Yeah, but that's not that rare. I mean, the the Playboy arcade game, for example, came with two sets of chips you could put in it uh, that turned on or off the nudity depending on where you were going to display it. Well, that's gross. That's grody. That's not Doctor Who. Well, no, but I'm just saying, you know, mods for pinball cabinets aren't that old. We'll do pinball and whiskey one week. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Uh, So then there's the Mystery Dungeon series. Uh, There's a whole bunch of games in the series. I think there's one. There might be one on the Switch. I know there's a bunch in the 3DS. Uh, Mystery Dungeon kind of puts you in the shoes of the actual Pokemon so it's it's kind of like a, it, it feels more like a little like, well, it's like a little dungeon crawler where you're hanging out with Pokemon that you make friends with. It, it's it's fun. It's cute. Uh, I've I've only played them with uh, with some friends uh, over at friend's house just to kind of see what it was like. Um, Pokemon Ranger games they 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 seemed like they could be really fun. I just never got around to playing them. Um, I, I feel like Pokemon Ranger, no, like they were, they were decent games, but it, it also seemed to be like Pokemon's response to PETA (laughs) because Pokemon Ranger is all about like, you're an actual like forest ranger type going out and like saving injured Pokemon and, you know, rescuing them from poachers. So it's, uh, it, it, it kind of flips Pokemon on its head. And then there's Pokemon Snap, and it's soon to be sequel. Uh, you know, a, a game about taking pictures of Pokemon and trying to get them to uh, enter frame at just the right angle, so you can get a pretty picture and share it with your friends. And this was interesting because when this game came out, I remember my one buddy bought it for his N sixty four, and I, while by this point I had you know had yellow and I had played some of the Pokemon games and I did enjoy them. I didn't get this. I didn't, I just, the boat left and I wasn't on it for this one. And, you know, I remember giving him a fair bit of chastising because we were young and, you know, we only had X amount of money to buy different games. And it was like, you bought this? But it really was a trendsetter. I mean, now every freaking game has a photo mode. Yeah. Uh, You play any of the Gran Turismo's, you play any of the Forza's, friggin' uh, Surviving Mars has a photo mode. Final Fantasy XV had a photo mode. Yeah, it's like, you know, that's all the rage now, and that was so, Snap was really ahead of the curve. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was was a lot of fun. I I, I give huge props to Snap. Uh, But around the same era as Snap, we got the Pokemon Stadiums, um, which were more or less a way for you to play with the Pokemon that you had on your Game Boy up on the big screen. There wasn't a whole lot to Stadium 1 and 2. Um, th- there was a loose little bit of a story mode you could play, but it wasn't very good. Um, I mean, they were worth it. I had both of them. Uh, it was basically like Gen 1 and Gen 2. Um, but then we got into po- Pokemon Coliseum 1 and 2, uh, and I don't remember the details entirely. I think the first one... If I remember right, the first one you got, uh, it was a full RPG, like, on the N64, and you got to play with uh, Umbreon and Espeon, uh, which was just a ton of fun. 
Um, and then in the second one, it was all about like dark Pokemon and corrupted Pokemon. That was Gale of Darkness. Uh, I missed it, unfortunately. I really wish I, I had gotten a copy of it. It might be something I try to invest in because uh, I do still have my cube. Um, but, you know, I'll, they were all pretty much the same. They, they were like a full story that you got to experience. Uh, then we get into the more modern era of Pokemon spinoffs. Uh, we, we Pokemon get into the fighting games with Pokemon Tournament, uh, which just got a remake for the Switch. Uh, weirdly, a lot of fun. I really enjoy Pokemon Tournament. I didn't think I was going to like it, and it's one of the few fighting games I really like. Um, so uh, it's Pokemon because it's like it's based on Tekken. Ha ha ha. Uh, then, uh, for mobile, we get, uh, Pokemon Go, which is, I, I feel like even if you don't do Pokemon, you've heard of Pokemon Go. It's, it's the, uh, mobile GPS game. Uh, you're either, these days when you're going out and about, you're either playing Pokemon Go or you're playing that Harry Potter game. So, um, uh, Pokemon Go is huge, but there's also Pokemon Masters. It's kind of a, a local, um... Uh, there's some online stuff with Pokemon Masters. I don't play with the online stuff as much, but uh, that's mobile. Um, we got Pokemon Home, which will replace Pokemon Bank as, as kind of cloud storage, and it connects up Pokemon Go and the latest generations. Uh, and we even get Pokemon Smile, which is a little mini game for mobile that you can get that helps you brush your teeth. So uh, Pokemon whoa, has branched whoa, out into whoa, just whoa. about everything. <laughs> Time out. Back up. You can't just end a segment on that bombshell. I totally can. You need to explain that a little bit. Uh, I don't have Pokemon Smile, so I haven't actually played it myself, but it's supposedly good really you? good for like little kids. Like It has the little timer on it, and you get to watch a cute, you know, Pikachu do cute things while he counts off how you're, you know, okay, now switch to that quadrant, and it's supposed to teach like good brushing habits. Now, see, what we need is we need someone out there who's good with the tech stuff to get that to run on a quip uh, or some other electric toothbrush. And before you say it can't be done, there are videos out there. A gentleman just last week got doomed to run on a digital pregnancy test. Yep, I did see that. <laughs> so if we can have doom on a pregnancy test, I want this Pokemon brushing game on an electric toothbrush. All right. Uh, so if you can uh, get that to happen for us, the Wit and Whiskey cast at gmail.com. We will bring you on as a guest. <laughs> yeah. You could talk about how you did it. Uh, so those are all the so side games I did some research on. There's uh, a lot of other things like Pokemon Spin, Pokemon Troze, Pokemon this and that. I'm not going to talk about those. I, I find them to be smaller parts of the franchise. Um, there's another one that's all like blocky. And a little Minecrafty. I don't play that one. So, uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up, which I mean, this episode's fairly self-serving, as was last episode. So I figured, why not have a DJ's favorite Pokemon segment? Okay. Uh, and I I stayed to true Pokemon rules, and I only allowed myself the six Pokemon slots that your character can can walk around with. Uh, so. If you haven't heard already, you haven't been listening. Number one is Eevee. <laughs> uh, Eevee is a little brown, fluffy, bunny dog fox cat. 
I, I don't know that we've ever actually narrowed down which which Pokemon, uh, which real world an- animals EV is uh, an analog for. Um, he's a liger. He's yeah. basically he's the Pokemon version of a hybrid. Yeah, uh, he or she. I usually try to get sh- uh, girl EVs because that's what's fun for me. Um, the interesting thing about Eevee, Eevee is a normal type Pokemon, which is the most boring Pokemon type there is. That It has some cool things, like uh, it can't be attacked by ghosts, but by and large, normal is, you know, it, it's, it's the wonder bread of Pokemon types. There's not a lot going for it. And the cool thing about Eevee uh, is how Eevee evolves. Now, if you keep Eevee and you never evolve Eevee, um, you can get some pretty impressive normal-type moves, and Eevee can kick butt. Uh, that That's actually the center plot of the Let's Go Eevee game, and Eevee gets pretty powerful. But depending on what generation of the game you're playing uh, and what evolution options are open to you, uh, if you're playing with an Eevee in the latest generations of games, Eevee has a possible total of eight different Pokémon that she can evolve into. Um, there's uh, Fire, Electric, and Water from Gen 1, Psychic and Dark from Gen 2, uh, Grass and Ice, I think from Gen 4, because they tend to skip 2 after after 2. Um, I have to look at my leg now. And then uh, Fairy... <laughs> That's in, never been said before in yeah. a Pokemon podcast. Uh, and then uh, Fairy in Gen 6. So when they introduced the Fairy type, we got a Fairy type Eevee-lution. Um, the fun part about the Eevee-lutions is that they're all single type, uh, and they're all weirdly powerful. They get really nice move sets, and, and they're a lot of fun to play. Um so if you're ever playing Pokemon, definitely get an Eevee and, and one of her evolutions on your team. Uh, number two, uh, I Mark, I would dollars to donuts, you have no idea this Pokemon exists, but as soon as I say the name, you'll be like, oh, right. Uh, number two is Score Bunny. <laughs> you're right. I had no idea it exists, but... Of course, you rock Score Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Score Bunny is the fire type starter from Gen 8. Uh, so, one of the newest Pokemon introduced to the series. Uh, and Score Bunny is a, I mean, it's a tiny albino rabbit with uh, orange uh, tipped ears and it looks really cute. Uh, Score Bunny looks like it has a bandage over its nose. And for the longest time, we had no idea what the deal was. He does cocaine. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Score Bunny uh, fully evolved into Cinderace. And Cinderace, uh, because Gen 8 is set in, like, the UK, Cinderace is, uh, is meant to be, like, a soccer player. So its special move is, is to kick a flaming rocket at people. And it's, it's fun. I like Cinderace. Um, I uh, apologize to all of our UK listeners. Clearly, DJ meant he's a football player. I didn't because I'm not British. <laughs> oh, you're going to get mean tweets. Yep. Uh, so Score Bunny is amazing. Uh, everybody should check out Score Bunny. Uh, number three is another one you probably... Actually, I would be willing to bet you don't know most of these exist uh, going forward. Um, the third one is Mimikyu. 
You ever heard of Mimikyu? I have actually heard of Mimikyu. Nice. I have. That one I've heard of. Uh, Mimikyu is a fairy ghost type uh, who... And we're gonna talk a little. We're gonna talk a little bit about ghost Pokemon, <laughs> but um, Mimikyu. Uh, the whole thing with Mimikyu is uh, nobody knows what Mimikyu really looks like, because Mimikyu is wearing a costume it made for itself to look like Pikachu. The whole thing with Mimikyu is that it feels lonely and is jealous of Pikachu for getting all of the attention. So Mimikyu has created this little costume, and uh, in the Pokedex entries for Mimikyu, if you look underneath the uh, the costume, you will go insane. See, I actually, uh, I like this, because I like it when games and, well, just works of fiction in general are self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pikachu is the darling, Pikachu is the star, Pikachu gets 90% of the publicity, Pikachu's basically the Wolverine of Pokemon, uh, if you're an X-Men fan. Yeah. And, you know, people, basically since I was playing the games, people have been bitching about it. And so for, you know, Game Freak and, you know, the Pokemon company to just go, yeah, all right, we hear you, and throw that in as a little joke, that's really cool. Yeah. And because it's the fairy type, you get some, like, additional, like, it, it is a fey spirit type Pokemon. Like, it's just... It's very cool, very creepy. Uh, my third, uh, my my fourth and fifth choices are both flying types. Uh, the first is Emolga, uh, which is a an electric flying type, which is a sugar glider or a flying squirrel. Uh, they Pokemon has a habit of introducing uh, Rodentia type Pokemon, and most of them have the electric type because of Pikachu. And I think it was like Gen 4 where they introduced Amolga. Um, but Amolga is one of the very few electric and flying types uh, and gets some really cool moves and is weirdly powerful for something that is so small. Uh, and the fifth one is Fletchling, uh, which is a fire flying type. Uh, and it's like a little baby Robin Pokemon that fully evolves into this really big... Uh, Pokemon called Talon Flame. It's just really badass. Uh, and my last one is is just silly. It's from Gen 2, uh, and it's Mime Jr. Do you know about this one? I know of Mr. Mime. Yeah, so Mr. Mime has a baby form. Because of course he does. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Mime in Gen 1 was a psychic-type uh, mime Pokemon, and in Gen 2, when they introduced breeding and baby forms, uh, we got baby versions of a bunch of different Pokemon from Gen 1. We got, uh, like, a baby Pikachu named Pichu. We got uh, baby Jinx and baby Mr. Mime. And uh, so Mr. Mime's baby form is Mime Jr., and he's just a happy little clown. He's just very cute. So those are my, uh, my top five, uh, top six. Uh, there's a lot of Pokemon that I like that are like cool and badass and scary, but uh, I, I kind of prefer always coming back to just a cute team of just th- these are my favorites. Uh, Have Mark, you ever rocked a six pack of all different versions of Eevee? Yeah, of course. It's very easy to do that. There's eight of them. Well, right, but I, you know, 
I don't know. Thought you might want to have balance or something. You know. Excuse oh no, me. I I have beaten uh, I have beaten the game with an all evolution team before. I usually there you rock. Go. I usually rock. Uh, Umbreon, Espeon, Sylveon. Uh, usually like a Leafeon and then a Vaporeon and a Jolteon. I have nothing to add. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any favorite Pokemon, Mark? Well, we talked about Psyduck uh, last week. Uh, I like Meowth. Uh, Meowth is pretty good. I always was a Charizard man. I, I always picked fire for my starter. Um, you know, so that those are three there. I liked the one, you know, I always said he was a cat. Apparently he's supposed to be an otter, the water starter from black. Yeah. Uh, because his, yeah, his, his final form was like a knight with like a giant lance. And I liked him. He's a samurai with a giant sword. Oh, he's medieval and he has a lance. He's not medieval at all. He's literally called Samurott. Don't you ruin my medieval lance cat with your <laughs> samurai otter nonsense. <laughs> I won't hear of it. Uh, I, I always enjoyed Snorlax because he was fat and he wanted to sleep. And, you know, that's me. <laughs> I mean, you know, who doesn't? Uh, I mean, really, though, those are those are the ones off the top of my head. I don't think that's six, but that's... I'll take that's it. What, that's what I'll, that's what I would, uh, if you put a gun to my head and said, make a party, that's what I'm putting together. Yeah. Uh, so the last, last kind of little bit here I have for all of you is the fun, the fun part with Mark, um, which is the rumors from the nineties. And these are all rumors or fan theories or even game glitches that we discovered across, uh, playing, Pokemon early on and I I think it's probably safe to say that the landscape of video gaming has definitely changed a lot since Pokemon was first introduced and in order to like learn things about games back then we didn't have the internet we couldn't look up what was fact <laughs> no so no it, it was very much uh you know your neighbor's brother's younger friend from a school across town heard about this thing you could do in Pokemon and you try it out and see if it was worth it. It also didn't help that it wasn't just Pokemon that you'd get these wild rumors on. I mean, it was it was all games at the time. And it didn't help that for some games, they actually were true. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the famous one, you know, the first level of Goldeneye, there's an island off the dam. You can actually get there. There's nothing there. It's like you clip through the walls and everything. It's not finished. But you could actually get there. And so it's like, well, if that crazy thing is true, then this must be true. Yeah, so I, I'm going to talk about some things that weren't, uh, that were rumors and not true, or rumors and turned out to be something, but weren't exactly what the rumor was. We're going to talk a little bit about fan theories. We're going to talk about things that the uh, Pokemon did callbacks to way later in different generations. So the first one I have here for you, Mark, and, and I'm curious if you ever gotten in, gotten into this habit, and it was the rumor that holding down buttons in a certain way while catching a Pokemon would improve your chance. 
Yeah, I remember those. I remember the ones uh, which I think they actually made into the game later on on the more advanced Game Boys, but it was it was bullshit on the original Game Boy, was if you held the Game Boy a certain way. <laughs> if you if you held it upside down or if you held it with the screen facing the ground. And, of course, there was no gyroscopes or anything in the original Game Boy. It couldn't record the way you were holding it. Yeah. But, shit, we were, what, 12? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those were definitely things. I have been playing Pokemon so long, uh, and the rumor around my school was down in B. You had to hold down and hold down B just as your Pokeball opened, and I am 33 years old. I still do this while playing Pokemon today. <laughs> it is just, it's muscle memory. I just do it. Like, if I forget to do it because I went to take a drink and forgot to do it, like, I feel a little bit of anxiety until I see what happened. You're like watching my mother, you know, my my parents, of course, didn't really get into video games till they had me. So, you know, they grew up, quote unquote, with video games on the original NES my mother playing Super Mario Brothers would, you know, move the controller left to right to jump with Mario. Oh, yeah. And she still, to this day, will do that. Yeah, my dad, my dad and I would play Star Fox, and anytime he wanted to s- turn the ship, he'd turn the controller in his hands. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about that is uh, some of you might be going, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Well, there weren't motion controls on no. the Super Nintendo. <laughs> the, the controllers weren't even wireless. Yeah. Half the time, you just rip the cord out of the machine. It's true. Uh, so the next set of rumors I have are around Lavender Town from the first Pokemon generation. Yeah. And this Buckle kinda, up, kids. Yeah. So Lavender Town, I actually have three things to talk about here. And the first thing is ghost Pokemon. And early on, I, so we're talking about a game series that is just steeped in Japanese culture, right? It comes from Japan. It was developed in Japan. For half of the generations, the games were set in analogs for different regions of Japan. And that means that we get to see, like, Japanese folk tales appear as Pokemon. Uh, And this is one of the real reasons I always tell people, like, don't sleep. Don't be a Gen 1-er. Don't sleep on anything past 150. Because uh, the more sophisticated the Pokemon got, the better the writing got, the more we get to see glimpses into the cultures of these regions where these you know Pokemon were kind of supposedly to be from. So we get later on, uh, we get like an enchanted sword um, that is a ghost steel Pokemon that has all of this lore based in Japanese culture of like enchanted, Uh, and cursed weapons. But in Gen 1, we only got three ghost Pokemon. We got Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar. And the interesting part of this, and it's never mentioned again in the damn series, there's an entire town in Gen 1, in, in the Kanto region, called Lavender Town, which is devoted to dead Pokemon. And it's literally got a tower that you cannot climb the tower unless you have a scope that allows you to see ghosts. And there are people in the tower mourning their dearly departed Pokemon. And we start to, in this generation, we start to see this, like, 
really dark, sinister theme in ghost Pokemon. Uh, for instance, there is a in later generations there is a little uh, Pokemon named Phantump, um, which is uh, that it's grass and ghost type, and its Pokedex entries are all about how it lures children in, into swamps, and that is just a Pokemon that you can play with in the game. <laughs> yep. Uh, so po- ghost Pokemon in the games. Uh, I mean, the rumors are rife with, you know, Ghastly is a dead this, or Gen- uh, one of the rumors I have is that uh, Gengar is uh, note for note Clefable, is a dead Clefable, or Clefable Shadow. If you look at their silhouettes, Gengar is, is basically Clefable Shadow. Um, but that gets us into some of the cultural rumors, and Part of the reason why uh, Pokemon was kind of stood up like Harry Potter in that, you know, it was a banned game in quite a few communities uh, because the music in Lavender Town is creepy as shit. Some of the most creepy video game music in a game that isn't a horror game at all. And if you get a chance, go find the original like MIDI recordings of Lavender Town. It's creepy. It's very simple. Um, And there were, like, rumors that the uh, Lavender Town music was causing uh, Japanese children to commit suicide. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's rough. Yeah, that that was the, you know, there was the the whole thing, you know, different early walkthroughs, you know, again, we didn't really have the internet as such. It existed, but it wasn't like it is now where you just go on game facts and there's a whole walkthrough for any game you want, you know? So the early message boards, the early chat rooms would say, Oh, you know, you have to, you have to get in of lavender town, get out of lavender town as quickly as possible. Cause if you stay in there for so long, you go insane. Um, there were, lesser versions of the rumor that it just deleted your save file or that it bricked your cartridge. Um, But basically all the versions of the rumor were, you know, more time in Lavender Town is bad. Get in, get out. Uh, Different versions of it were that all the NPCs had committed suicide and, you know, they weren't really mourning their dead Pokemon. They were mourning their lost lives. And it was... There was some fucked up shit around Lavender yeah, Town. It, it was rough. But there were rumors that everybody in the town was dead. There was rumors that Mr. Pokemon was the only person really alive in the town. Um, and w- one of the most persistent fan theories about Lavender Town is Gary's Raticate. Did you know about this? It sounds familiar, but I don't remember the details. All right. So Gary is... In each game, you generally have, like, a rival-type character. And um, I over the years, I didn't quite realize that there was a huge difference between what, like, the Western definition of rival and the Eastern definition of rival. Because in the West, we just assume rival means, like, enemy, opponent, bad guy. And in Japanese, like, in anime and in video games, your rival is, like, you have a contentious relationship with them, but they're also your friend. So, so like us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are my rival. 
<laughs> Turn my baseball uh-huh. cap backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so your rival, your 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 buddy who also grew up in the same town as you, we know him in the West as Gary. In the in Japan, he's known as Blue. And Blue slash Gary, when you first encounter him and have a Pokemon battle with him, he has a Rattata, and it's just a rat Pokemon. It's like I think it's like number twelve or something in the Pokedex. Like it's a really uh, easy Pokemon to get and train in the beginning. And you meet Gary a few different times before you reach Lavender Town, and he he evolves his Rattata into its evolved form, Raticate, and you fight him a bunch of times, and you fight his Raticate. And there is a fan theory that I, I quite love, and it's also my headcanon, that in the last battle you have with Gary before Lavender Town, you don't just cause his Raticate to faint, you kill his Raticate. Because the next time you see him is in Lavender Town as he's walking out of uh, the Pokemon Tower, uh, where all of the dead Pokemon are laid to rest, and he never again has Raticate in his party from then on. <laughs> How fucked up is that? Pokemon had some creepy shit. Um, the the one true part about the music, I, I mean, there's been no link, actual links between Suicide and Lavender Town's music, uh, but they, the developers did have to tone down the music because they thought it was too harsh the first time around. So before it got released, they did kind of tone it back a little bit. Uh, let's get into some some f- more fun things about Pokemon and not ghost Pokemon. Um, uh, have you ever heard of Peekablue? Yes. Uh, this was a rumor back when Mark and I were kids. We had heard that there was new Pokemon games coming out. We had played Red, we had played Blue, we had played Yellow. And there were new ones coming out. And one of the first Pokemon we got to see from Gen 2 over here was this weird little blue puffball Pokemon. Um, It looked like a little mouse. It had a little tail. The only other Pokemon it looked like was Pikachu. And because none of us could translate any of the Japanese ads, (laughs) we just called him Pikablu over here and assumed it was like an evolved form of Raichu. Uh, Pikablu did end up in the game in Gen 2, uh, but Peekaboo's real name is Meryl and is not actually connected to Pikachu at all. Uh, he's a little, he's a cute little water Pokemon. Um, but I remember for like six months being obsessed about Peekaboo. Yeah, P- Peekaboo was wild. Uh, there was Pika Flare. Yep. Which was uh, what was it? Cyndaquil, I think, was what eventually became Pika Flare. Yep. Uh, you know, there there was all of these just wild versions. Uh, of Pokemon that were supposedly there. Because you have to understand, pretty much as soon as the games, the original games came out, Red and Blue, okay, there's 150 Pokemon. Well, there was rumors almost immediately that there was 151st. Yeah. And you had to do all these wild things to get it and blah, blah, blah. Well, that turned out to be true. It was. And it it was like, oh, holy shit, okay. So, well, what other Pokemon are hidden there? My my favorite rumor was Mew 3. (laughs) Yeah. 
And it was like, all right, well, there's Mew and there's Mew 2, and they lied about Mew, so there could be a Mew 3. Yeah. Yeah, the, where ultimately uh, number 152 is one of the starters. I, I think it was uh, Chikorita from Gen 2. So uh, there were no more Mews to be had no. as of yet. Um, but that does get us into uh, the whole thing around Missing No. Yeah, boy. I did that. Did you Did you ever get Missing No? I got Missing uh, No. I never caught him because I didn't want to lose my game. But I, I think I caught him in blue I because I had blue, and I was like, what the fuck's going to happen? And I think it did corrupt my save. I, I, I did catch him, but that was only because I had a game shark and could undo the damage. Yeah, fair. Uh, so there were a lot of really interesting things around... Mew as a Pokemon. So when Red, Blue, and Yellow got released in the U.S., there were only 150 Pokemon. That was all there was ever going to be. We didn't know that Pokemon was going to be a franchise. We just thought this is what we got. It was a cool little game. But at this point, we had we we kind of had started to stop. Uh, started not expecting. Japan to bring all of the nice things to us, right? Like, you know, look at, like, Mother 3, the Fire Emblem series. Like, there was a bunch of stuff that Nintendo had that they weren't localizing in the U.S. Yeah. And we had no way of knowing that Pokemon was going to be one of the things that just persisted. So we were like, this is all we're going to get. This is an amazing thing, but who knows? Like, they may never make another one. And this was early enough in, in like, Nintendo's life that we didn't actually have a lot of sequels of things. Um, I mean, look at Star Fox 2. We never got Star Fox 2 in the nope. U.S. until the release of the uh, SNES Mini, like, three years ago. Yeah. If, think, you, if you found one. Yeah. Uh, we had gotten some sequels, but they weren't really being... They weren't like Mario. Well, there was a Mario 2, but it wasn't like. Well, but that's the thing. We yeah. didn't get the real Mario 2. We didn't. We didn't get the real <laughs> Mario 2. <laughs> Until Super Mario All-Stars. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we got Super Metroid and we had we Metroid. But, you know, we, we just weren't sure. We weren't sure what we were going to get out of Japan. We kept hearing that there were cool things. We'd, we'd read... Um, you know, Nintendo Power articles about these this cool shit in Japan that we were never going to get. Um, so when there were rumors of 151st Pokemon, everybody was was going gaga for it. And this was before the release of the movie. We ha- we didn't actually know about Mew yet. And there were rumors about Mew, right? There's things in the game that say, oh, they captured... Uh, I don't even think we got Mew's name in the game. But it was like a genetic no. experiment thing. I think yeah. later releases, like Fire Red, Leaf Green, the Let's Goes, they named Mew. But they were really careful not to tell us about Mew early on. And I mean, you know, and then if you had a game shark and if you knew what you were looking for, you could go in, you know, much like people do today, especially with PC games. As soon as a game comes out, 
Somebody goes in, looks at all the files. They can tell you every which way. They can tell you how much DLC is coming out, what's already on the disc that you just have to pay to unlock, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. There was very little of that back then. It existed, but you really had to know what you were doing, and you really had to have the equipment. And, I mean, I didn't know anyone that knew how to do it, at least not well and not consistently. Yeah. But later, you know, it came out that there is data on the original cartridges, one of which is missing no, for 39 other Pokemon Mm -hmm. that were cut. So, you know, there was going to be 190 originally. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, I know a guy who knows a guy who goes to school with a guy. And he was this game shark, and there's 39 more Pokemon. And it's like, well, all right. Well, they, they lied about Mew. He was real. What are these other 39? <laughs> yeah, and, and it got crazy. Um, I, the, so this gets us into, like, this ultimately gets us to the rare candy glitch. Uh, or the the infinite item exploit, depending on how you you, you coin it. And I actually did some research, and I'm not going to go through it right now because I think the details might bore some people, but it has to do with, like, buffer overflow and that needing to save space in the cartridge so they would use hex uh, variables for multiple things. And uh, if you put whatever item you wanted in the sixth item slot, you talk to this one old guy who taught you how to catch Pokemon in uh, Viridian City, and then you flew to Cinnabar Island and surfed up and down the right coast, you would inevitably encounter some sort of glitched-out thing. And it might be a Snorlax that's level 140. It might be uh, a Drowsy. It might be a... uh, It was always, like... For me, it was always, like, one of, like, four Pokemon or Missing No. And Missing No was this, like, weird glitched-out monolith, and it just said Missing No, like, missing number. Uh, and it's because the buffer had overflowed, and he was technically the zero-width Pokemon, but also technically 151 and 152. Um, he was Schrodinger's Pokemon. He was. And if you caught Missing No, you had a pretty good chance of just co- completely corrupting your save file. Um, but if you encountered a missing no and then you ran away from the battle you could check your items and the sixth item slot would be glitched out and it would mean like you i think you were at like 128 of that item so you could just infinitely spam rare candies and master balls and make the game really easy uh and you could you could catch that level 140 snorlax if you really wanted to Uh, I did catch it at one point, and uh, when you leveled up that Snorlax, it would just roll back down to 100. Um, it, 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 those Pokemon could auto-correct themselves, but Missing No would just fuck up your game. <laughs> yeah, and I seem to recall he didn't really, even if you caught him, he didn't do anything. Mm-mm. Like, I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember any of his abilities, or if he even had any. I think, oh. I think in rare instances, he was just an analog from you. Like he had transform. Yeah, that could you 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 might be right. Yeah, um, but with all of these rumors, there were rumored methods for catching Mew in the game. Some weird thing that you would have to do, and I remember one of the more prominent ones was there was a city that you would get to that had a ship on it 
and the ship had a captain that gave you one of the first permanent moves cut. And then you would leave the ship, and the ship would sail away. But in between, like, uh, entering the ship and going back to the dock, uh, there was this little area that if you had the move surf, you could surf out into this little, like, inlet of water, and you couldn't access that part of the the dock after the ship sailed away because the guy wouldn't let you past. So in order to get to this part of the game, you would have to get cut, on the ship, the, the the item, and then you would have to die in a Pokemon battle, have all your Pokemon faint, and end up at the Pokemon Center, and then you could go on with the game without the ship sailing away. Then you would come back with a Pokemon that knew Surf, and you could go on the dock, Surf out to the right, and there was a tiny island with a pickup truck on it. And... To this day, this I goddamn have, pickup truck. I've never ever gotten anybody to tell me why the fuck this pickup truck is in the game. It's not supposed to be there. There are no mentions of vehicles in the rest of the fucking Pokemon game. I think it's not until Gen 2 that you actually see a moving truck. Everybody gets around on bicycles. I think there might be like one enemy type in Gen 1 that rides a motorcycle. But, like, so there's no reason for this pickup truck to be here. There are not vehicles in the rest of the game. There's no highway where you have to avoid them. There's no cars ever parked at a house. So there's just this random pickup truck. And you can get on this island and you can walk around the pickup truck. And there were a billion, billion, like, conversations happening about this. What is this pickup truck? And the the big rumor was that if you could get the pickup truck to move, there was a Pokeball underneath the pickup truck with Mew. And nobody could get the damn thing to move. Uh, There was thoughts that if you use strength on it, you could push it. If you use cut, you could cut the truck in half and it would disappear. There were rumors that if you surfed on it, it would move. Uh, There was just, you could try all sorts of things. Uh, the pickup truck doesn't move. It's a, it's a permanent part of the, the game. But there were so many... Did you ever get to the pickup truck? I got to the pickup truck, and you know I, I tried a million different things on it, and it, it didn't do a damn thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I keep going back to it, but it was another game that had so many myths. Uh, I, remember, I don't know what I wasted more time on, the pickup truck in Pokemon or... If you had one of the strategy guides for GoldenEye, I forget which one, and, you know, our younger viewers don't even know what a strategy guide is Mm because they don't make them anymore, but at one time, not only did they make them, but they made multiple ones for the same game. Different companies would make multiple ones. But if you had one of them, it actually told you that on the streets level where you get to tank, you could jump out of the tank and steal one of the cars. (laughs) That there was one car on the street... And if you, you know, if you found it, you could get in it and drive it the same way you drove the tank. I don't know how much of my life I wasted looking for that <laughs> yeah. damn car. Uh, ditto <laughs> with this pickup truck. Oh, my. I did every conceivable fucking thing under the sun to get this thing to move. Because even, even if Mew wasn't under there, something probably was. Yeah. I mean, there was no way that that truck was just there. Yeah, there was no reason for it to be in the game. So, yeah, I mean, 
between the the infinite item trick and the, trying to get Mew from under the pickup truck, it, it, there was just absurd things in this game. Uh, so I have a few things left here. Uh, do you remember the rumors about surfing on Pikachu? Yes. So there were rumors in the game that there was a special way to catch a Pikachu so that it would learn surf. And I remember wasting hours on this, that you could find a Pikachu by uh, fishing in a certain part of the map. There was all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but if you could get a Pikachu while, uh, that learned surf, that the uh, animation for surfing would change to you riding a surfboard with Pikachu in the front of it. Uh, and this, this was not a thing. It didn't exist. Pikachu never learned surf until... Gen 7, the remakes. So in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, there is a side quest in the game where uh, there's like a surfing mini game in four parts of the game. And if you get the highest score in all four parts, the game actually uh, rewards you with a Pikachu that knows surf. The meme has become canon. Yeah. So surfing Pikachu is definitely a thing. Uh, do you remember the rumor around Magikarp and Splash being like a very rare insta-kill? No, I don't remember that one. That There was a rumor that uh, Splash had like a .0001 chance of insta-killing your, your opponent. And uh, it's not true. It's never been true. Splash is... I think Splash is a bad translation in... Uh, English, I think it's technically supposed to just be hop. And the move splash or hop is completely useless. It literally, it says, it did nothing whenever you use it. That would have been a fun programming thing, though. Just, you know, once out of every 1,500, just have it just insta-kill. Yeah, it would have been pretty funny. Uh, And the last one I had, and I had kind of heard rumors of this, but, I mean, it, it ended up not being true was that back in Gen 1, there was, uh, like, a Pokemon Black version. Did you ever hear about this, where, like, your starter was a ghost? No. Yeah, I I remember hearing about this, and I feel like it was one of those, like, urban legends of, like, so-and-so's little brother died because his game turned into Pokemon Black or something like that. (laughs) Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah, you know, it's, it's rough. Um... But yeah, uh, that's all of that's all I have for Pokemon. I don't think I can do a third episode without alienating just all of our fans. Yeah, you're not going to get much argument from me on that one. But hey, 25 years—that's a big anniversary. You know, had to do it justice. Had to do two episodes. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I I have to admit, I'm surprised. I thought you would have had, you know closer to 60 or 70 out of the 76 games but here we are (laughs) i learned something today i might have that many i mean i have a lot of digital versions of things at this point that's your homework for next week you have to count all your pokemon game and that'll be final closure yeah i'll i'll see i'll see what i can do i will probably bring pokemon back up as like an update in the future like if we do video games i'll be like oh and by the way here's what's happening in pokemon for five minutes Well, hold that thought. 
because I have some theories on what to do next week. Okay. But I think it's about that time to close out the episode. It is that time. Listeners, thank you for listening to me ramble for two weeks. Yes. Thank you all for listening. As always, uh, you know, be sure to like us on Facebook. Follow us on the Instagram. Uh, We don't have Twitter yet. We have an email on everything. We are the Wit and Whiskey cast. Uh, There's an E in Whiskey. There's no H in Wit. At least not yet. Maybe if we get wittier, we'll put the H in. <laughs> uh, we are now on. Are you ready for this, DJ? We are now on 18, 19, a correction, 19 different places. That's so good. And as promised last week, I have the entire list. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're on Listen Notes, Amazon Music, Podkicker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Podkist. Podcast Addict, easy for me to say, Stitcher, Deezer, Player FM, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Castro, and of course, the thewittenwhiskeycast.com. That's amazing. There might even be more places, because I know there's a bunch of smaller podcatchers that uh, subscribe to Apple, so... If you use, um, you know, kind of a smaller podcatcher because that's your preference, uh, feel free to to search for us on that as well. We might be there. Yes, and if you're listening to us on something I didn't mention, please let us know. We will keep the list updated. Yeah, we're going to put something out on our website. We'll have, like, a magic page of links at some point. Yes, uh, but, you know, there's... If you want us, there's really no reason not to get us. We're still uh, going through the process with Pandora. They're dragging their feet. If you want us on Pandora, send them an email, yell at them. (laughs) Um, You know, but I'm still waiting for final confirmation. We've been going back and forth with them. I don't know. Maybe I say fuck too much. That might be the problem. (laughs) Uh, Fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, Big thank you to Nuno Henry Silva, as always, for our intro and our outro. We're going to link you to his SoundCloud. If you haven't gone there and listened to his shit yet, why not? Just come on. Yeah, get get off your butt. Yeah, get get with it. Uh, So, now, we were going to have a guest next week. We're still going to have a guest, but he can't do next week. He's going to do the 21st. Okay. So we have sort of an open week, and I was looking at the topics before... We uh, signed on here before we started talking. And I'm going through the list, and I was like, well, we can't do Ancient Rome, because that's going to be another two-parter. We can't do a two-parter. One, we don't have two weeks, but two, we can't do two two-parters back to back. <laughs> so just no. Uh, you know, we, have, we keep wanting to do the Convince Me to Buy a Switch episode, but we just had two weeks of Nintendo-heavy content can't do the switch i still can't believe you you're not convinced after all that talk uh, what can i say <laughs> uh you know then i thought you know next week starts testing we could slot formula one in there but do we really want to do two racing episodes in a row no not not really no one wants to hear me talk for two weeks and then i looked at the schedule and i had an epiphany dj oh this season so far which we're now halfway through we have not done a hot takes episode yet. Oh my god, we should do a hot takes episode. We should. And I'm thinking sort of carrying over the theme, we should expand it to video games in general. Interesting. Three overrated, three underrated, controversy will prevail. Any system, any generation. Pick your weapons. Oh man, I might have to bring up Chibi Robo. See? All right. Yeah, let's do it. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, next week, 
We're going to have hot takes and whiskey on video games. And this one, I think, is going to get a wee bit controversial, much like the movies episode did. I think this one's going to follow in its footsteps. Uh, And then after that, we're going to have our second guest. And then after that, if we're all still talking to each other, who knows? (laughs) So for the Wit and Whiskey cast, I am Mark Rossetti. I am DJ Gagnon. We say salute. And cheers. Cheers.